Hey guys, and welcome to the Lit Historians Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Wheeler, and I'm glad you could listen in. I'm so excited to start this first episode, and I can't wait for you to hear what I have in store for you today. Just a reminder that you can follow my Facebook page, The Lit Historian Podcast, and Instagram page, at The Lit Historian 22. If you would like to check out my book page on Instagram as well that showcases a lot of the books I'll be talking about on my show, you can follow that too, at Don't Blame the Reader. Now, on to the show. There's a book I'm reading right now called Robinson Crusoe by Daniel Defoe. The description of the book is provided by Penguin Classics, which is the edition I'm reading. Here it goes. The sole survivor of a shipwreck, Robinson Crusoe is washed up on a desert island. In his journal, he chronicles his daily battle to stay alive. As he conquers isolation, fashions shelter and clothes, first encounters another human being, and fights off cannibals and mutineers. With Robinson Crusoe, Defoe wrote what is regarded as the first English novel, and created one of the most popular and enduring myths in literature. Written in an age of exploration and enterprise, it has been variously interpreted as an embodiment of British imperialist views, as a portrayal of a natural man, or as a moral fable. But above all, it is a brilliant narrative, depicting Crusoe's transformation from terrified survivor to self-sufficient master of his island. What I love about this book is the self-sufficiency of a man who has to completely alter his viewpoint in order to survive. He starts out very depressed, and remains so for a very long time. However, he realizes that in order to be sufficient, he's going to need to cry out to God and pray that he's protected. He uses a sense of autonomy as well that allows him to create a home by the shore in a cave, which he claims he does so, so he can see if any ship can come for his rescue, and make different sources of food. He creates tolls in which he perfects the methods that increase the efficiency of them. I'm talking about this book because of its relevancy in today's world. Throughout 2020, we have become trapped in this idea that COVID-19 has ruled over this world. Lots of people are worried, and lots of people are afraid. Rightfully so. I mean, it's a scary virus that our world hasn't seen in all of our lives. Everything's new. But at some point, when we are trapped with no hope, we have to come to grips with that thought. What do we do now? Do we let the virus change the way we operate? We shake the fear out of our lives and realize that life goes on. We have to push past the fear in order to shake it. That same thing was going through Robinson Crusoe's mind as he delves deep into it in his journal. He starts to reconcile with himself that God is with him that God saved him from death. I mean, after all, he is the sole survivor of a shipwreck. If this is the case, it's not chance that could have saved him from that. It was very unlikely that he could have survived without some help from a higher power in some way. He tries to blame it on fate, but it's something he can't do. He knows that God has worked for him there. So for 28 years, this man conquers the environment. He takes hold of everything the island has in store for him and rolls with it. At one point in the novel, he states that he imagines himself as king over his subjects. His subjects are the animals that he keeps in gates to breed for food and clothing. There was no society, so he created one. Society for one. All that changes when a man comes onto the island. I will spoil that part for you, but because there's no point in that, I'm keeping things more on the idea that this book is important for the world to pay attention to today. Roger Paul Druitt, hope I'm pronouncing that right, states on his article, The Timeless Relevance of Robinson Crusoe, If our world is shipwrecked, we will initially survive by taking fragments of its tools, machines, and products and reusing them in innovative ways. This is the hope I'm talking about. COVID-19 doesn't have us in a shipwrecked world, even though we sometimes treat it as such. But even if it did, God forbid, let's say it became just as bad, if not worse, than the Black Plague. 
You know, the plague that wiped out about a third of the world several hundred years ago? What if we were able to make something of that, using its tools and products that remain and shape them into something that could be usable and sustainable for us? Let's not even use COVID-19 as an example. Let's use nuclear war, atmospheric catastrophes, heck, even aliens coming down to wipe us as humans out. Life will go on. We will always be sustained for as long as we live on this earth, because that's just how the world goes around. It keeps on spinning. Now, what are some other relatable substances we can take from Robinson Crusoe rather than just survival? Obviously, survival is a huge theme, but there are some other themes here that we haven't even brought up. What about the unknown qualities in the book? We start out in this book not knowing what in the heck is going to happen to this guy. If you've ever read this book and have had no spoilers in it, you couldn't even begin to fathom what's next. It's very unpredictable. Funny thing is, this is the exact predicament our protagonist is going through in the story. He has no idea what its goal even is except that he needs to take two feet and move them forward. He just keeps creating survival goals for himself in order to get him through his predicament. It pays off because he is able to learn to fight the unknown. Whatever comes his way, he is able to face off. It's the strong idea of self-sufficiency and dependence on a higher power that brings him forth. It keeps those two feet walking, one foot in front of the other. But at the same time, it's scary. What's going to happen to him? You know, he gets to a point when he decides to go across to the other side of the island. He does this in about a half month's time and finds that there is another island 45 miles off, which he supposes is the Americas, modern day South America. He hears that savages and cannibals lived there from his earlier travels to sea, so his mind starts to wrestle with the fact that at any time he could be eaten alive by these savages. He could wake up and they're right on his tail, ready to, ready to devour him. Another thing that's discussed very heavily is solitude. I mean, we've mentioned this before, but never as a theme in itself. The man is by himself on this island. Professor Robert Taylor from WelcomeCollection.org states that many writers before Defoe had pondered the solitary life, but none had portrayed it in such vivid detail. Defoe was a writer not, that not only created the first popular book on isolation, but he created one of the best adventure novels as well. On top of that, he created one of the first English novels. We'll get to that part later, but for now let's discuss the solitary theme of this book. Obviously, the book is about him being alone on an island, but taking it further, he's alone in his mind, body, and soul. However, he begins to recognize that he's not alone in spirit. In the book, there are many times he tries to find time to pray, and he doesn't feel connected. Yet, over time, he's able to reconnect with the Lord after so many years. So it happened that it required his needing to be in a solitary state for him to realize that. This is what the theme of solitude's all about. It's the idea that you are never alone in spirit, no matter the circumstance. As a Christian, I love this idea. It's the idea of being connected to the Holy Spirit. Robinson Crusoe's point is well taken in that God is the supreme ruler of all things, which is how he was able to get through the many years he was by himself. It changed him, drastically. I mean, this man's character blossomed as well as changed from what it used to be. If he had never been put on the island there alone, he would have never had this experience. I don't know about you, but being on an island by myself would change me. There's nothing to covet, nothing to sought after. Not a worry, all except survival. Although this can be used for good, as Robinson Crusoe demonstrates, it's still lonely to think about. Imagine not having the people around that you love. Imagine there not being a place to rest except the place you create for yourself. It's sad, which is why I won't stick on this subject for much longer. The isolation theme that Daniel Defoe demonstrates really hits home. Daniel Defoe apparently didn't like it either, because he eventually has Robinson Crusoe meet a friend. This is yet another theme that this book tackles expertly. Friendship. A savage turned up, 
You remember the cannibals I was talking about? With a group of cannibals that were about to devour him. Yeah, cannibals not only ate random people, but they ate themselves. Which is why they were called savages, not a tribe. They were barely a tribe. Robinson rescues this man, and he names him Friday due to the day of his rescue. He teaches this man everything there is to know about survival on an island, morality, practical skills, etc. They were basically father and son. They were brothers. If they weren't these two, they were friends. The dynamic duo is something that really makes people want to be a part of it. I literally found myself throughout the book just wanting to be on the island with them for a day. And not only that, I actually felt like I was there. That's how gripping this first English novel is. It's just that inspiring. Defoe crafts a work here that makes you feel like you're isolated with Robinson, as well as his friend, Friday. A true friend is someone that sticks by you to the end, right? Well, that's what Friday does. Not trying to give heavy spoilers here, but you have to know some of this in order to get to the point of why the novel is important. So bear with me, I'm not telling you anything that the book is already not known for. Um, Friday is a man that he is able to learn Robinson Crusoe's ways because he wants to be with him, no matter what. He's his rescuer, but he grows to be more than that. He grows to be his actual loving friend. This is a whole new level of commitment. This is something we need to learn in today's culture. We need to be willing to die for each other if need be. We need to be willing for, to learn from each other rather than just finding jokes on the internet and telling them to each other. We need to be connected, spiritually and mentally. It needs to run deep. That's how it was always meant to be anyway. It's how Crusoe and Friday understood it. Crusoe is awakened to this idea that Friday is his best friend. It's not only because this man is the only one he's seen in 20-some years, but it's because he develops a real connection through being his mentor. Now, the one thing I really loved about this book was its pace. I thought the author gave a really good backstory on Robinson Crusoe. At first, you think you're going to get bored, but then, right when I began to yawn, it started to pick up. And then his journal entries kicked in about survival on the island. In a weird way... It wanted to make me get back into my childhood game Minecraft. I wanted to pretend I was the character running around on an island just gathering resources so I can survive. This is what it's like to be into a story. You start to reflect on everything you've ever done that could be similar. That's what we crave, connection. I think this is relevant to everything we do nowadays. We are survivors, but we are also innovators. We come up with new ideas, all while trying to survive on this world we live in. We want to do the right things. We want to take care of those around us. We want to make sure the area surrounding us is well taken care of. That's how Robinson Crusoe felt even on his own. Again, like I said earlier, he viewed himself as the king of his royal subjects, the animals. I know I'm backtracking, but I have to mention this. Whenever you read the book, notice when Friday arrives to the story, he doesn't view himself as the king. He may make one mention, and maybe not even once, of him feeling like he is the lord over this man. He recognizes that Friday is like a servant. But that, is, but that is before the ref, ref friendship develops. He starts to refer to him as more as my man Friday. I love this because it shows that they are fellow men. No longer a savage, Friday is able to be viewed as a man, equal Crusoe. But they are both men trying to survive. Anyway, back to what I was saying, the idea that we want to take care of our keep goes all the way back to ancient times. Stefo from TribalTomorrows.com states that tribes care for their tribe members. Generally, no one is left alone for long periods of time because they know this would make them feel unhappy. Unhappy is the key word here. One thing we have to note is that Robinson Crusoe, amidst him finding happiness, still felt unhappy. Whenever Friday comes along, he is now much happier. Let's give an alternative viewpoint to the story. What if Friday gets rescued from the cannibals by Crusoe, but instead of becoming friends, Friday says to Robinson, 
Thanks for rescuing me. Now I'm going to go live on the other side of the island so you can take his, this half, and I'll take the other. Imagine how lonely they both would get. This wouldn't even make sense. Wouldn't they end up just going over to each other after a little bit? That's just how nature is designed to be. No man is an island, as the saying goes. This goes for women as well. This isn't even just a manly idea. We are all meant to have others around us. What's important to understand about Robinson Crusoe is not just survival. As you can see, there are tons of different themes to get out of this book. All themes aside, this book is enjoyable. To follow a man in his detailed journey of survival, as well as following his story of what will eventually happen to him, is interesting in itself. At the beginning, it's a bit slow, but it revs up. When he actually gets trapped on the island, he'll give you a day-by-day -day account, account of what's happening to him for a little while. But then he speeds it up, and decides to focus more on the idea of his spiritual connection to God, as well as the fear of savages all around him. When his man Friday comes into it, you are in for a treat, and you'll be hooked until the very end. I highly recommend this book and everything in it. Now I just want to say thank you for those of you who have decided to take time out of your day to listen to this first episode. I know I don't have a very detailed schedule in place yet, but don't worry. Once we get this podcast going and more episodes released, I'll be able to figure out a good day and time to release them. For more content related to what I'm posting on this podcast, go look at my Instagram page, at don'tblametheReader, for small blog write-ups on books I'm reading. There are over 100 posts for you to read and follow up on, so don't be afraid to check them out. Be sure to look at the description for links to where I've gotten my information for this podcast if you want to look deeper into it. Follow my Facebook page, The Lit Historian Podcast, as well as my Instagram page for this podcast, at The Lit Historian. Email me at thelithistorian22 at gmail.com for any suggestions, questions, comments, or complaints about the show. That's thelithistorian22 at gmail.com. Bye for now, guys. Remember always to stay lit and keep up with your favorite topics in history. I'm your host, Ryan Wheeler, signing off.